Welcome to the second episode of the Grace and Peace podcast. Today we are excited to talk about something that is pretty important to the Christian faith, I'd say. So today we have Yanis and I on, and we're going to talk about denominations. I guess the appropriate thing is to start us off by sort of sharing our backgrounds. So, Yanis, would you like to share your background and what denomination you grew up in? Yeah, so actually I grew up kind of in two different denominations. First, I went to a church that was Mennonite-affiliated. Whenever I say that word, I don't think it rings a bell to a lot of people, but if you think about Mennonite, it's kind of like Amish, and it falls like under the general umbrella of Anabaptists and so there's like certainly a de-emphasis on like technology like the pastor that pastored the church like he didn't have a tv so that was an emphasis and obviously if you've heard of the Amish at least certain groups of the Amish they try to avoid modern technology and then when I was about 10 because my mom because she went to a Baptist school and a Baptist church when she was younger, she wanted to go switch to a Baptist church. And from that point, I started going to a, a Chinese Baptist church. And within Baptists, uh, it was part of the Southern Baptist Convention. One thing I want to ask you real quick is, was your first church a Chinese church? Or? Yeah, it was also a Chinese church, but... I don't think we were, like, the churches we were affiliated with weren't Chinese churches, if that makes sense. Like, the the greater denomination wasn't necessarily, like, Chinese. Gotcha. The church I grew up in was also a Chinese church. It was officially non-denominational, but I'd say we'd align more towards, like, Baptists. We'd hold all of the essential, like, doctrines of the faith— you mean of Protestant Christianity or like a certain Baptist creed or? I don't think our creed was Baptist. It's pretty basic stuff that like even like Catholics and the Orthodox are like, like for example, the Trinity. Like the Nicene Creed or like the Apostles Creed? Yeah, we abide by those, I think. So we hold like all the essential doctrines of the faith. My church is called Chinese Bible Church. There's a large emphasis on sticking to the Bible. Okay. Well, I I guess I I do want to add, while I did grow up kind of Mennonite and kind of Baptist, I am the type of person to be, or I, I was fascinated with like church history. So I did read a lot of different things. So I guess I might have slightly more knowledge on denominational history than the average person but i wouldn't say like i'm an expert how much do you study about like each denomination have you went in like a wikipedia rabbit hole where you start like binge reading like what different 
how like different denominations came to be and what they believe. Well, actually, I think. So yeah, I think part of it was like when I was like switching churches, and then I think some of it was like natural curiosity because most of my life I've gone to a Chinese church, and it has a particular style of worship. It has a particular like. Like Chinese ministers have like a particular way of preaching, and then uh, I forget what the term is like. But basically, like the service is generally like the same format, and then so like when I stepped into like other churches, like I think when my younger sister's teacher got married and she was a Catholic, uh, like stepping into that and like not participating, but like. Watching others participate in mass, like for a wedding mass, that was like interesting, and then also like New Year's Eve or like Christmas night. For some reason, I think a lot of or some American like TV channels they like tune into the Vatican and they live stream like that mass. So I like would watch those, and then I think towards like high school when we we're like doing like European history because. I guess for better for worse, like a lot of church history is tied to European history, especially like when it comes to like the Protestant side of the church, right? So like because I loved history in general and I grew up in the church, those like two like naturally came together, and I was like, oh yeah. So what is church history? And so yeah, I I got both of like the perspective of church history from Christians and also like church history. From like a secular perspective. When you were coming to college, were you specifically looking for a Baptist church, or did it just happen that both of the nearby churches that most students go to are happen to be Baptist churches, Mercy House and FBC? So yeah, actually, the two churches that I went to the first two weeks. Were because of friends from my home church, and one went to Mercy House, which is a Southern Baptist church, and also also part of the Baptist Convention of New England, which is the Southern Baptist denomination in New England, basically. And the other one is kind of affiliated with the American Baptist denomination, and it just happened that one of the friends she went to Mercy House, so I just went along to the service. And then the other friend, she went to FBC, and so that's how I kind of got plugged in. But also before that, because my church is part of the same denomination as Mercy House, we actually they host like a New England wide youth activities. And the summer camp I went to, like Pastor Rob or the pastor of Mercy House, is actually、uh, usually the camp pastor. So I had previously known him from that. Yeah, I think definitely, I was looking for a church, and I guess like the deciding factors of like a of like which church you end up going to are like how well you feel you fit with the community, and then unfortunately because I was a college student without a car. Uh, like which one worked better with my schedule and was like more accessible, and so those were some of the reasons why I chose 
one church over the other. Like, I don't think either church is necessarily better. I actually had this conversation with another person, and because a lot of people don't necessarily they grow up in a denomination, there's the question of, like, did I feel pressure to choose a Southern Baptist church because I grew up or because I was baptized and because I basically believe in the Southern Baptist beliefs? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily. Like, if that was the case, then I would have only... I would have automatically gone to Mercy House and just ignored all of my other options. Now, for you, when you were... If you didn't happen to go to UMass, did you have, like, a guideline of how you were going to decide which church you were going to go to? Mm. I don't think so, but... I think actually like part of my curiosity of denominations occurred after summer my freshman year when I participated in Arise, which is a non the non-denominational Korean parachurch of New England and that like kind of like tries to help service the youth. And most of the Korean churches are not Baptist. They're most of them are either uh, affiliated or semi-affiliated with the United Methodist Church or some sort of Methodism, such as the Nazarene Church and the Presbyterian Church. So I was like, oh yeah, so what are the distinctions between these types of Christianity? But yeah, so like going into college, I didn't really have like a, like a mindset of like, I have to go to a Baptist church or I have to go to a Lutheran church. But I think like, because that that's what I was familiar with and that's probably what I've what I would have like tried to look for first gotcha but like if you were even right now like to give advice to a high school senior who's heading off to college what advice would you give for them well yeah I think definitely examine the church community and the church beliefs like most churches have like a statement of faith and I think you should definitely read that and yeah also listen to the sermon does the church actively preach the gospel if it does like what is the gospel they're trying to preach is it about Jesus Christ is the only way through salvation or is it like does it have something else on top of that how well do you like fit in with the community or like how well do they like outreach to you yeah and then like maybe think about the denomination and like if you believe like overall the the beliefs they hold and like the practices that they teach are biblical but I feel like a lot of people might not have necessarily thought that much into that but I guess there is like another warning is that like not all churches are the same right because unfortunately there are churches that or there are groups that claim to be christian churches but unfortunately they do like twist the bible in some way and or they like try to manipulate and have like control over you and that's like what colloquially we like call them as like cults and like sometimes it's very hard to like tell what is a church and what is a cult 
but yeah, so definitely like examine their beliefs. Obviously, like pray about it, read the Bible and like see if like if you hear something that like sounds wrong, maybe you should check it out before you like commit to like staying in that church. I agree with everything you just said. For me, I was even though I knew like a few alum that came to UMass and went to my home church, even went to high school with me. I did, before freshman year of college, I did check out like the local churches, put them side by side a little bit, um, read their statement of faiths, even listened to a few of their sermons. I think back then I was more, I was more rigid in my selection of churches or, like, the guidelines that I had to, like, select each church. More rigid in a way, like, I think my mindset was I wanted to find a church that was theologically, like, really similar to my church back home. Hmm. Which is reasonable, because that's, like, what I'm comfortable with. That's where I feel safe. That's where I know, like, my theology won't shift in different directions. Even though, like, my theology of God has expanded over the past few years. I I went to both churches for some time, and they're both relatively really close to my home church's theology. So what I did when I put the churches side by side and listened to their sermons and read their statements of faith, I did do a lot of thinking. Like, number one, I wanted to know if the church was glorifying God because I back in high school I did like receive a lot of warnings from home church people like don't go to these church uh, these types of churches because they're not necessarily glorifying God but you you can see it in the way that they spend their money you could see it in the way that they even talk is are the messages that they give self-centered or are they completely God-centered so a lot of like what I my guidelines on how I like judge churches that could be potential spiritual homes for me in college. It was more rigid and I would say it was a little bit out of me trying to just protect myself and protect my theology. But over time, I would say my theology, I use the term theology loosely because by definition, it's just the study of God. Like, everyone has a theology. It doesn't matter It's if... your, like, understanding of God. Yeah, it's it's just your understanding of God. So no one can say, like, I'm not a theologian. Everyone has some sort of theology. So back to my point, theology. I've gotten looser in the sense of I think I could see how a sermon preached by John MacArthur... And Michael Todd, it's not that I'm endorsing either, but I I can see how sermons by both of them are edifying and like are like also like not edifying at the same time. Like they, they have like goods and bads. Yeah, exactly. A lot of the times when you think of theology, and, and this is a reason why like when I do Bible study, I like read I open multiple commentaries, not just right, like right. stick to one. I I think every commentary can add something to our knowledge of God, whether it's 
I don't know, like, this Arthur is particularly an expert at reading Greek. Or this commentator is just an expert on interpretation and practical application. For me, like, I do have, like, some pastors that I stick close to in terms of theology, but I'm looser now in terms of I see how no side necessarily has a capital over God's truth. And I guess we can talk more about, like, what are the differences between denominations and, like, why they exist? Why are we having this conversation in the first place? So, like, the way I think about it, in, like, layman's terms, is, like, just a bunch of churches with, like, the same or similar theology. So, you've probably heard of these, like, denominations, like the Roman Catholic Church, or the Greek Orthodox Church, the, like, Egyptian Coptic Church. Those are, like, some of the oldest churches. And then, like, there's a schism between, like, the Orthodox and, like, the Catholic Church, 1054. Basically, the churches separated then the Roman Catholic and the Orthodox, or the Ether the Eastern Orthodox Church, they separated them because of, again, some, like, arguments with theology over, like, who was right. I believe the particular argument back then was about icons. We don't really have to go into that. But then, like, fast forward, like, another 500 years or so, there were a lot of Christians at the time who were, like, upset with the Roman Catholic Church. And then out of that, came the protestant reformation and the word protestant just means like protest right so they like split off and or were like excommunicated from the catholic church martin luther john calvin yeah martin luther john calvin and unfortunately they couldn't really agree on like who is right so that kind of like led to like more schisms or like mini schisms and Basically, it's gone to a point where there's like a lot of groups of churches who have just decided we'll stick together with these core core beliefs. Sometimes like denominations or the groups like rejoin under like maybe a more vague statement of faith. Other times they like split even further. And yeah, that also like kind of like led to the rise of like independent non-denominational churches who like are just kind of like sick of like having like a denomination being in charge of them and just feel like they can commit to like preaching the gospel and doing well for the community by themselves. But yeah, also unfortunately, some of these denominations, other denominations have deemed as cults. And we're not trying to cast judgment on whether or not these are actually cults like because if you think about it from like the, the greek orthodox perspective the roman catholic church is a cult from the roman catholic perspective the lutheran church is a cult from the lutheran perspective like the presbyterian church is a cult in like that sense so generally there's like a thing called like mainstream protestant thought and like beyond that there are several groups of churches that most protestants would argue are cults and to name a few you've probably heard of them 
are the Seventh-day Adventists, the Church of the Latter-day Saints, or the Mormons, and also like the Jehovah's Witnesses. Those would also be like considered like denominations. Yeah, so like why do denominations exist? Why can't every church be either part of the same denomination or like why can't they all just be independent right those are like two very like opposite ideas right on one hand like when you have a bunch of small churches pooled together that allows for a like common beliefs and then like common collective resources so one of the benefits of being part of a denomination is that they have money and they own the church land so like if unfortunately like your specific church ceases to exist the denomination can sell the church land and use that towards something else like in my home churches like bylaws which i've read one of the things that happens is if unfortunately like church stops existing the southern baptist denomination will take the land sell it and like use that money for another church plant but yeah that is like generally the denominational model. They also have like seminars or like pastor schools where they train future pastors and reverends or priests, whatever you want to call the, the church leaders of the next generation to like pass down and continue teaching their beliefs. Yeah, but again, that's like the legal sense of like a de- denomination, like a lot of denominations such as the southern baptist convention the united methodist church the roman catholic church they're like incorporated entities in the united states also there's like the denomination in the sense that churches are theologically aligned so like for example uh there are a lot of like baptist churches that have like baptist in their name they have like a Baptist preacher who went to a Baptist seminar, but they aren't necessarily part of a Baptist denomination. They're more like independent or they're willing to work with Methodist, Presbyterian, like just the churches around them. Is there anything you'd like to add? I think one thing that my mom has said in like a lot of like her workshops about denominations that just makes so much sense to people is... Well, I want to move into, like, sort of talking about is one denomination, like, correct and every other denomination false. I think one thing that my mom explained that made so much sense is when you think about, like, the Great Schism and the Protestant Reformation, those events were just events on a pendulum, if you think about it, like... The Great Schism happened because you had a group of people who became like the Orthodox Church that didn't appreciate how the Catholic Church didn't have experiential faith. A lot of things were rigid and you had to confess directly to the Pope. The Orthodox denomination wanted more of an experiential faith. And then... The other event on the pendulum is the Protestant Reformation. It was getting back to the word and it was about having a faith that is grounded on doctrines that are biblical. The reason why the Reformation happened is because 
you had guys like Martin Luther and John Calvin who believed that the Catholic Church was not sticking to the word. And so you kind of see this pendulum going side to side. And I, I do believe that our pendulum is back on the side of modern day Christianity. We want more experiential faith. But if you look at church history like that, it's a pendulum. You kind of see more like how each denomination came to be. But I guess like going back to the question of like whether or not there's like a right or wrong denomination. Like I personally think, I think each denomination, obviously the pastors and the teachers in the denomination obviously believe that they're right, right? Otherwise they wouldn't, they would have switched to another denomination or they would have switched to another religion. But obviously because we're all people, we're all humans and we're all prone to sin and we're not perfect. And so we can't have like perfect thinking then most likely like most of the denominations are not a hundred percent they might be 90 95 98 99 percent right but they probably don't have everything right and especially like when two denominations are arguing like opposing points some people take the perspective like oh it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things and that's a valid perspective but also like if you're arguing like two opposite points unfortunately like only one can be really right so maybe there's a denomination that has every single interpretation a hundred percent correct but it seems unlikely it's only in theory yeah theoretically there is a perfect denomination Yo, can I bold one thing that you said I thought was really fire? You were talking about how preachers wouldn't be preaching what they're preaching if they don't think they're right. That's so important because a lot of pastors and preachers, they they do come with good intentions. They're not malicious. They're not like... They're, they're not malicious. They're not robots from satan you know what i mean like yeah just because they're wrong doesn't mean that they were or just because they can be wrong doesn't mean that they're actively trying to deceive you yeah like unfortunately there are pastors and people who have the title and like positions in church leadership who do try to take advantage of their positions for personal gain or for like certain things that they desire but Arguably, most pastors in most churches aren't actively trying to deceive you. They genuinely believe what they preach. Yeah, exactly. Like, I I do believe there are pastors out there that are, like, trying to make you rebellious against orthodox theology and all that. But for the most part, the preachers believe in what they preach. And to be real, like, as you said, every preacher comes with their own set of motives, whether it's for financial gain, whether it's for the status, whether it's for the fame. There are a lot of preachers that come with that mentality. And obviously you should look into their heart because if the preachers aren't doing it for God at all. Look into their heart and also look at, look at their fruit. That's the saying, right? Look into, like, you will know a good tree by their fruit. That's something that Jesus said. 
but you also have to know that a lot of preachers think they're glorifying God. And so even the wrong preachers, they might be such in this mindset, like, yes, I'm glorifying God. And so that's where a Christian's discernment comes in and goes into, like, how far is too far in terms of, like, unorthodox theology, but good intentions. That's up for the believer to decide. But for the most part, I wouldn't cast out denomination as godless people or robots from Satan just because they have bad theology. Hmm. I would search that more. I think the last thing that we should probably talk about is like, what are the differences between denominations? Because to the non-believer or the non-Christian, we just hear, oh, they're going to church, right? Like my non-religious friends or my atheist friends just hear, oh, Yanis is going to church. But amongst like Christian circles, you're like, there's like a qualifier before that. He's going to a Baptist church. He's going to a Methodist church. He's going to a Chinese church. He's going to a multiracial or like a white church. Unfortunately, we do hear that. So I I think it is important to talk about like some of the things that like differentiate churches. So these are like mainly my thoughts, but kind of there's like three categories or three things that like differentiate churches. And unfortunately, like I think this is my saying, but one man's heresy is another man's theology. So uh, the first issue is theology and that's as like we defined earlier, like how to interpret the Bible and like under, trying to understand like who is God. So like this obviously comes with like the the whole issue of like how do you interpret the Bible? Should we take every passage literally? If not, which ones do we take literally? And which ones should we interpret as figurative? Because we do know that Jesus spoke in a lot of parables. It's not impossible that some of these things are parable but it's also likely that some of these things did actually happen obviously that goes into the the whole like creationism debate did god create the earth in like seven literal days or like were they like metaphorical about like seven time periods and then like obviously like the miracles and like prophecies are there like literary stories like some people don't believe that like Daniel from the Old Testament actually existed. And then, like, some people have a hard time believing, like, Noah's Ark, Jonah and the Big Fish, or the whale, and obviously, like, like Adam and Eve. So, you can kind of put it as, like, a spectrum. Like, there are people that believe these things absolutely happened, and they happened in the way that we understand time now. So, that places the actual creation of this earth like i don't know the exact number but like i think the term is like young earth creationism right but like the earth is like six thousand years old six thousand or like ten it's like less than like ten thousand years or something yeah Uh, and then there's the other end so yeah that's like the fundamentalist quote-unquote or like some people like characterize like these christians as like ultra conservative traditionalist fundamentalist but they hold like everything that happened in the Bible happened literally. And then on the other side, um, 
extreme opposite side is that most things in the Bible should be taken like either as like a, a metaphor or like a parable, like obviously except like that Jesus died for our sins, right? So the opposite side would be like they don't believe that everything like happened literally in the Bible. Also that that's like a whole like spectrum that has like a lot of implications and so like other issues of theology is like who should be baptized and when should they be baptized right so like there's a whole controversy of like infant baptism does the act of baptism actually save you or and like is it a personal responsibility or is it a community responsibility and then similarly for like eucharist or the holy communion or the lord's supper all right so let's backtrack to define baptism that's like for those of you who aren't familiar that's like when you quote unquote get dunked or like you're fully well i guess that that's another issue like what counts as a baptism like can you just be sprinkled with water or do you have to be like fully immersed in a natural body of water or can you be baptized in like a church baptismal pool or like just a pool in general but to rewind that like goes back to the bible when jesus was baptized by john the baptist in the river jordan i believe and for like eucharist for the last supper that was commemorating the night and the meal before jesus was betrayed when he like broke bread and he served his disciples and when he says like this is my body do this in remembrance of me some people believe that the bread becomes jesus when you partake in the communion right and then like the wine becomes christ's blood when you partake in this act and others are like no way like he's just speaking metaphorically so like and and then so like there's this whole like argument like so why why do some parts of the bible we take literally other parts we don't take literally and yeah and then obviously like there's a whole issue of like marriage who can be married by a church it is obviously a big controversy especially with like gay marriage and people in the lg lgbtq plus community so some churches allow for same-sex marriage other churches strictly forbid it and like well like excommunicate or and or like shun people who admit that they're interested in such a thing and then so that's like the whole like first issue that i can think of like different theology which comes down to like the interpretate basically like how do you interpret the bible right and that's really like hard to say like which is who is right but i'd say like generally like look at the church history which churches and like who has held these beliefs and why did they hold these beliefs and like were they influenced by the society at their time and then like a second issue that i see is kind of like church organization especially like within denominations so like i think it's most clear in like the roman catholic church like there is a set hierarchy there's the pope at the top there's the cardinals right below him there's the bishops right below them there's like the priests like right below them 
And so like it's a very like top down hierarchical patriarchal structure and you like have to like start at the bottom in order to get to the top basically. Other churches it's like not as strict and yeah so like from my personal experience like first church I went to it was like power shared between the board of deacons who were like elected on like a biannual basis or like annual basis and the pastor and then right above them there was a bishop that was like in charge of a group of churches but there was no one above him and each of the churches were like kind of like semi-autonomous like the bishop was more of like a ambassadors between the churches rather than the person telling what each of the churches should do and then when i switched when i started going to a southern baptist church that had a different hierarchical structure so the pastor was the person in charge of the church then there were also like a board of deacons but the deacons were also ordained so that they served like lifetime appointments as deacons they weren't elected so all the churches are like on the same playing field but they are connected by usually like a scholarly like um there's like a president of the convention who is who has also been a pastor and who like went through rigorous education and like normally the presidents have been seminar professors or like they have like a doctorate levels education in like christianity and so like that's like my personal experience with like the structure of the church Oh yeah, there's also like the whole issue of like, well, let me backtrack. So in the organization of the church, obviously this goes back to the previous issue, but who can be a pastor, right? Can someone who is gay be a pastor? Can a, a woman be a pastor? Can a transgendered person be a pastor? Can a pastor be married? Right. In the Roman Catholic Church, they can't be right. And in a lot of Protestant churches, they can. Uh, so you, you kind of like see like the distinctions and like basically like who's in charge of the church, who has the power and like how do they get there and how is like power shared. And then finally, I'd say uh, the church's most present or most obvious to people like when they step into a church on Sunday, what does service look like? What does worship look like? What does the sermon look and sound like? Right. So like I think historically, like Catholic churches had their mass or their like church service done in Latin until the 1950s. And then within the like last 100, 200 years has kind of been like the charismatic movement. Right. So like some churches, their like form of worship is everyone is like standing up singing and dancing their hands are like high up praising to god and like some people might start praying in tongues and then other churches like they don't have any musical instruments and everyone is just singing a cappella style and they're they're using like hymn a hymn book that hasn't been updated in like 250 years like obviously like those are like two like very extreme ends but then also, like, how does the pastor, how does the priest, how does the reverend, how does the preacher preach? What is the emphasis of their message? And, yeah, so some 
obviously that goes into like like that's kind of defined by like each preacher's personal style but some like focus going through the bible like verse by verse like literally examining every word others kind of like they kind of like talk about their own lives like how they experience god and kind of like ex- they kind of like connect it to maybe a passage or a story in the bible um like both ways are valid to a degree but obviously they're different and then like obviously like there's like the question of like time <laughs> like is your service 30 minutes is it four hours yeah so those are like the three major differences but i also think like there's a thing that the church focuses on besides sunday besides the sermons and besides the bible studies is like what do they do with their community so like some churches especially like the southern baptist convention there there's an emphasis on missionaries and sending missionaries to foreign countries or like other parts of the country some churches kind of focus on government policy and like trying to get prayer in school trying to abolish abortion a lot of these political issues and then some churches like focus on like social justice issues like how do we solve things like racism and poverty and but basically that kind of like boils down to like the idea or the question like what does the church do with the money that it collects and the influence that it exerts on the community but those are like roughly like four areas of things that i think churches differentiate on i'm sure if we like kept on talking we would be able to like point out even more is there anything that you like would like to add or uh, let's just summarize like the outline what differences there are between churches the first thing you talked about was theology right yes theology um some churches are more literal some churches are more figurative or believe in more figurative interpretations of the bible so number one is theology number two is organization like is the pastor in charge are the deacons in charge is there a pope overseeing everyone number three is like the church service and the, i guess number four uh although i didn't like originally label it as four but yeah number four is like the relationship with the surrounding community and like obviously like each of the things i talked about are a podcast episode in themselves I thought of a few questions throughout your whole thing. Okay. I think one thing that the people want to know is what is epic? Mm. Because we don't necessarily ascribe to any denomination, right? Do you want to explain more about that? Yeah. So epic is what you would call a parachurch. Parachurch, not a church. Not a church. So it does have a statement of faith, which is the crew, the same as the crew's statement of faith. But within the statement of faith, actually, it, it does acknowledge that there are these differences. But the goal is to set aside these differences and reach college students for Christ. So you and I can disagree what exactly baptism means, 
but we can generally agree that we want to see people get baptized, right? So the whole point of like having a group like Epic is to unite people who grew up in these different churches, like within the Asian American community, most, I wouldn't say most, but there are a lot of different denominations of Chinese churches. Maybe more commonly is that like Chinese Baptist church, but like within the Korean Christian community, like most churches are Presbyterian or Methodist. And so like when you come to college, how can these three denominations and more work together? I think just the testimony of Epic existing is testifying to the fact that the body of believers, Christ's capital C church, covers more than one denomination. It covers, maybe you can argue not all, but it isn't exclusive to only one denomination. And if we can go back to like the conversation on literal versus figurative theology, for me, one thing I learned in college is we can disagree on literal figurative for a lot of other things, but the one thing that my faith's backbone is, is the one fact that Jesus Christ literally rose from the dead. Mm. Especially when it comes to like stuff like eschatology, people want to argue like this is going to be figurative. This is going to be literal. The rapture is going to be figurative. The rapture is going to be literal. The great tribulation is literal. The great tribulation is figurative. They're going to go back and forth on those things. But when Jesus comes back, you're in danger if you deny him based on the fact he didn't come in a rapture. Like, when Jesus comes back, he is back. And so that's why it is important to stay humble. And you may believe some things are literals. You may believe some things are figurative. But if your heart is so rigid in one particular thing and Jesus comes back and he doesn't have a rapture or vice versa, he does come back in a rapture and you're not accepting him based on that. That's a denial of the fact that Jesus came back. So that's sort of the reason why I like became more loose in terms of that. But the one thing I hold true to be literal is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you believe that Jesus Christ had a figurative resurrection or his resurrection was not real, then even Paul says we are the people most to be pitied. Mm. And so wrapping that back to Epic, the fact that Epic is a parachurch, we believe that the body of Christ spans over denominations. That points us to what Christ's church looks like. <laughs> it's all of his believers, not just the Presbyterians, not just the modernists, not just the Seventh-day Adventists, all these churches that have split over specific things. The one thing that we have to hold true is salvation through Jesus Christ, literal death, literal resurrection. This is our God. Mm. So 
if you're thinking like epic the right place for me to be because are they the right denomination that's the wrong question <laughs> that's the wrong question but the answer is the answer is yes <laughs> epic is the place for the body of believers to be and even though we are asian american focused it doesn't mean we exclude those who are not of our race we welcome you to take part of this but this is a testament to show that salvation is not restricted to a single church or a single denomination <laughs>